0: Thank you for listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga Podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at DragonCon 2021. Okay, so my name is Tara. I can be found across the web at A Geek Saga. I am the founder and organizer of Ice and Fire Con, which was the first ever Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones Thrones convention in the U.S. And um, I run a couple webcast podcasts. One of them is A Geek Saga, which is basically me being lazy and taking my Dragon Con and other convention panel recordings and (laughs) turning them into podcasts. Um, And the other is Sagas and Sass, which is a genre uh, series podcast webcast where we actually our entire first season covered the Grishaverse books and then of course the first season of Shadow and Boom
1: uh hi my name is Nami I go by Nami Sparrow on Instagram and YouTube and I think there's also a Facebook somewhere but I haven't updated it in a year's Instagram cross posts though so that's cool um I am also on the Sagas and Sass podcast with Tara and I um these are the books that got me back into reading and now they're a show and I'm like yay <laughs>
2: you um I'm Henry Hanks, I've been doing uh, pa- uh, panels with DragonCon for uh, 20 years or something, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm also starting up a-, a podcast, What the Nerd Podcast, uh, the next few weeks. But uh, in the meantime, um, I have uh, discovered the show, I-, I heard about it like pretty much like when the trailer came out, and I was pretty new to the whole creature verse, but uh, I was hooked on it immediately. So I have not read the books, but I am very much into the
0: show. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's probably good that you haven't, um, because I know, uh, speaking from speaking from ye old Game of Thrones at Dragon Con experience, where we weren't allowed to talk about the books on the show panels for the longest time, it's hard to uh, separate. Right. So um, we're going to do our absolute best not to go too in-depth on really book-specific stuff. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, Nami and I are going to, also not uh talk about anything from at least past book one of the shadow and bone like the, the grisha trilogy because that
1: yeah. would be like spoilers if there are any book sure. fans in here who hears us start to say things about like other books just start hissing at us be like, <laughs> <laughs> just be like no no you're doing it
0: <laughs> uh just out of curiosity how many people here have read the books
1: Okay, okay. All right, so, so in conclusion, we're safe. Like this is a book Well, sport, I it looked no. honestly, no, yeah, that, that looked like we're it was
0: about it. like a 60/40 split. Maybe, yeah. it might it might have been 65/35. So yeah. that's 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 good to know though.
1: Um show fans are safe. We will keep you safe. <laughs>
0: so I I actually weirdly enough, I read these books years and years ago and I didn't know they were making a show until very very recently. I mean, mm-hmm. it was I think it was um a few months before we started our webcast, which was so like last summer about a year ago, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit more that I, I I must've seen something or maybe someone mentioned it on their, like a friend mentioned it on their Facebook page. And I was like, wait, what there's going to be, there's going to be a shadow and bone TV show. Oh my God. Um, and of course, as, as any of us who have, you know, witnessed the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the TV shows that come from the book series that we love okay. and, and how they have turned out. It's it's always a big toss-up. Um so I was very nervous, but you know, they I think what I loved about it was from the beginning with all the advertising, how clear it was that Lee Bardugo, the author, was very, very involved. Okay. Um, but also just the casting, you know, looked great from the beginning. Um and they were really great about advertising it. And then we get to you know, you know, actual show release time. I mean, they were doing like I think it was um, February or so. They did yeah. like the the live panels, a couple live panels. Uh, they for started fans. doing a lot
1: of teaser trailers as well. Like you could really tell that Netflix went hard with promo yeah. for this show, and it made me really happy. Um, I for one was not a long time book fan. I actually got into the books in. 2019 when they did the initial like cast announcements because my friend is a really big fan of Six of Crows and they super identify with Inej because they are Egyptian and you know, brown brown people power unite. Um, and so they were like, hey, you should read this series. Like you're going to find a character that you immediately ID with. And then I was like, I don't know. I haven't read books in like 10 years. Like I don't have the time. And then they just sent me the duology in the mail, and I was like, oh, so I'm reading it, I guess. <laughs> so basically, I read, the first, I read the first Six of Crows, and then I was like, huh, I feel like I'm missing a lot of things about this magic system. Went back, sped through the original trilogy, and I was like, ah, yes, magic system. Finished it all. And here I am, yeah. very invested.
3: <laughs>
2: a thing that grabbed me uh, right away was uh, the costuming, uh, for one thing, just uh, sort of this like Eastern European-Russian mix with the uh, science fiction magic, it was just uh, an interesting mix that no one would have thought of, I don't think, it was very creative. Yeah honestly
1: the costume is one of the main reasons that I'm like very pleased with the show like obviously like the casting I'm very invested in the casting the casting was lovely and I'm very proud of it and I can't wait to see them continue to put the work in to make the casting like visually diverse and I hope we get the behind the scenes diversity as well. And then the costuming. As a, as a book fan, I was like sketching out capta designs in my little notebook for years, and I was like, I say years, it was a year and a half, like, what am I kidding? <laughs> I was like sketching it out, I was like, let's go, like, what's this like? Am I a little sad the Battle Captas aren't floor-length? Yeah. Is it practical that they're not floor-length? Absolutely. Is Zoya still running around in a floor-length skirt in her fights? You go, Queen. <laughs> but so you know, the like the costume design was so good, and I like we are Game of Thrones people here, so like as okay. former, unfortunately, current Game of Thrones people, like seeing another show that really highlighted embroidery in their costuming yeah. was so amazing because like they came out here and they were like, "Hmm, yes, so we can do embroidery, or we can do." embroidery. <laughs> and we got the version in all caps, which I do appreciate.
0: Yeah, yeah, the the corporal key kept us, especially were just absolutely gorgeous. Um so we were ta- weirdly enough we were talking about it this morning uh with some friends who uh have watched the show but not uh actually completed reading the books so for those of you who haven't read the books um and I'm sure you might have seen some stuff about how you know about the storyline of the show but of course it takes place um it's based on the entire basically the entirety of the first book of the Grisha trilogy Shadow and Bone uh but it also features uh some of the Six of Crows storyline. However, what we get from the Six of Crows storyline, which is a le- in, in the books that takes place much later in the time frame, um, but what we get from Six of Crows in the show is their backstories. So it was really, really nice. I, I mean, personally, I think they, they meshed it all really, really well um, by also, you know, having the Crows, like, actually meet Alina and mm-hmm. stuff, um, but... The backstories that you're getting, it's basically a far more detailed version. And in some cases, it was literally just like Kaz had this big heist one time and there's no description at all of what it was about. So I I think they were really able to take what were super vague mentions or short, very brief, like half a chapter or maybe a whole chapter stories and weave them into the storyline of the show, which is, you know, more so focused, of course, on Alina and the Darkling. Um, so if you if you have not read the books, it is that that's that's probably like the easiest description I can give you yeah. without spoiling is that you actually got to jump ahead a lot.
3: Yeah, <laughs> in it's, a way, it's
1: really cool because a lot of the like <clears throat> reveals that you get in this duology are done gradually, and so you understand the character growth that these characters have had after the fact, and that is especially true in the case of. Matthias and Nina, because you don't understand what their whole deal is, and you're like, why does she like him? He's the worst. Why is he even here? And, and like, you get all of that here because you see what happened. You see how, like, they bonded and they changed. And also, can we talk about them? Because, like, I didn't really ship them, but, like, the show makes me ship them, and, like,
3: <laughs>
1: here I am. They're just really cute together, and I can't help myself. And, like, you know, in the actual books, like, Alina and... Um, the crows never actually meet but the way that they do it manages to be just fan service enough that you're like yes this is and exactly also, how it should have happened <laughs> like it makes sense in the world i think the writers do a really really good job of like taking what is a fandom that cares a lot about their about their stories and weaving a story that makes book fans happy while also giving show fans a story that is easy to track because one really great thing that the Inez and Kaz story did, because that's a story that is never told, a.k.a. this heist with Alina. But the story that they do tell is, well, Inej is still indentured to Tante Helene. And you get her whole story with Tante Helene and the story with how she's working with Kaz and now how at the end of this series, Kaz has the means to free her from her indenture. And that's a story that you don't see in the books you're only told about it and like hey sometimes like what's that first rule of writing show don't tell we have a show here and,
3: and a show. <laughs> it literally <laughs> showed <laughs>
2: exactly oh yeah i mean yeah it's just been um amazing I, i've just enjoyed all the twists and i've also it's been interesting because being new to it and not having read the books uh they they do introduce you to a, a lot of characters and uh you know it's it's interesting to kind of see these separate characters separate groups of characters and how they come together um as the season goes on so So,
1: i'm really curious for you actually so like as a as a book reader we had like a very unique perspective of like always meta knowing what was going on and like kind of what was going to happen knowing the connections before they happen what was it like going into this series and not knowing anything
2: yeah it was (laughs) it was interesting because it does kind of drop you in the middle of it but uh, they, they explain in a very natural way, uh, you know, the, they have to take this little boat and go into the <laughs> the, the Darkling and it's, uh, you know, it's just it's such a, a, a un- completely unusual, unique I- idea for everything in this, I thought was, like, it wasn't like, well, this is like Game of Thrones, this is like, it was very... Unique and original to itself.
1: Yeah, I think a really cool thing that I saw was so Lee Bardugo did. Um, I can't remember if this was in one of her fan events or if this was just a general like interview thing, but she talked about how the idea for the fold came about and it was to her, it was, she wanted the physical manifestation of darkness and that claustrophobia of being Mm -hmm. surrounded and not being able to see and not knowing what was happening around you. And that was where the fold was born from. And then therefore, you know, that was where the whole story was born from. And, you know, if you go back and read like the original Shadow and Bone, it's like very dark. That, that darkling relationship is not there. And like, it's, the other reason it is so dark is because this book was really personal to Lee and she has like written and things before that like she was in an abusive relationship at the time and that's where this story came from. So it's like a really close story to her and like it's wonderful to look at all of this stuff and like her experience as an author and like where these ideas like bloomed from. It's good. It's very good. (laughs) Well,
0: and I think it's amazing that she, you know, she got to not just not just have the rights to her stories bought, but she got to be as involved as she was. Um, because like and, and granted, you know, some authors they sell their stories and it's a choice that they don't, you know, I mean I know like with Martin, there was a point where he was like, Eh, I don't feel like doing this anymore with Game of Thrones. Um and he wasn't he was involved to an extent, but like really past the first season, not much other than writing a couple episodes. So I'm hoping that Lee Bardugo stays involved in the future because like, uh, like Nami was saying, like particularly the first trilogy, I'm sure um, because of why, when she wrote it, why she wrote it uh, was such just a, like it was deep, had deep meaning to her in her personal life. I I think that keeping that, um, keeping like the, the, the uh, whole relationship that she has with her characters alive is like really important. Um, the changes that they made for the show with the Darkling and Alina relationship make it far more palatable. Because, um, like, honestly, in the original trilogy, it feels a little bit more like a Twilight-esque uh, situation. It, it's worse than Twilight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Twilight, but, like, if <laughs> Edward were, you know, actually evil, I guess. Twilight <laughs> um, with evil Edward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it feels more like that than it feels, you know, like it does in the show, where it's, it's almost not, you know, not necessarily BFFs on equal ground, but there's definitely, Alina has a lot more, um, oh my God, the word I'm looking for. Wow. Agencies. Agency, agency, yeah, so agency. So, agency. I sl- it's like I slept too long last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lost, I've, I somehow lost all my brain cells from sleeping too much. Uh, yeah. Alina has a lot more agency in their relationship and it's a lot more palatable in the show
1: yeah and you know that's actually a big part of like what like you know ben barnes and jesse maylee specifically brought to the show because there are a few interviews that they did and like a few talks that they did about like how they wanted to actually explicitly add consent to the darkling and elena's relationship because that is hecka not there in the books (laughs) and so it's there now and you know let me say, let me say it now. Uh, you you can ship Dark Lita from the show. You are allowed. It is. Mm-hmm. It's officially palatable.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing with the uh, with uh, a writer can describe it in a book, but when an actor brings it to life, uh, they can put in little nuances that mm-hmm. you may not have been able you may not be able to describe as well in the book. So
1: yeah, it was it was really nice to see, especially because like Ben Barnes is so charming. <laughs> <laughs> send help (laughs) (laughs) all right that's it i'm not gonna do a whole ben barnes aside because that would be a lot but (laughs) for the record
0: um and i'm also trying to think you know even though obviously like we get the the darkling and elena relationship in the in the show um and we get a little bit more in depth into like We were talking about earlier, briefly, with uh, Inej and Kaz and their relationship, which is, um, it's like, you know, clear that they like each other, but it's both traumatized, they're both traumatized individuals liking each other, so I don't want to get too much in-depth about the trauma, because we know... Oh, it's good
1: trauma. We know about (laughs) Inej's,
0: but we don't know about Kaz's yet, but yes, they are two very traumatized individuals who are... Struggling, you know, to figure out how to, you know, be who they are and also love each other. Um in they, a way. Are,
1: they are currently doing their best. Yes, it yeah. is also currently not very good, but don't worry, <laughs> it's very they will awkward. will get there. Yeah, it's very
2: <laughs> <awkward>. <laughs> yeah. I had to say you mentioned Kaz. Um, when you see his like first appearance, and you're like, this guy looks like a badass. This, I'm, I'm sure this. Not being a reader, I'm sure this is like a fan favorite and then you see i saw the the art of, based on the book and it was like they literally just pulled him out of the book and made him a person <laughs> yeah they did a great job i
1: honestly so like i'm going to i'm going like, to my bias this show here i think the best casting they had was jasper because i think kit just yeah. Yeah, right everybody can agree like, like the whole cast is lovely and amazing, but Kit just brought that chaotic Jesper energy to a level that I did not think was possible. And then he got on screen, and I was like, oh no, he's real. <laughs> <laughs> he was so perfectly lovely. And like, you know, I know we all thought that goat was getting sacrificed. <laughs>
0: yes, actually. But What's the real argument? Best casting, Jesper or Milo? <laughs> uh, uh,
1: best comedic duo, for. Hashtag Jesper. actually both. Yeah, it's it's so good. And like, you know, like Kit is just very charming and he does a great job with Jesper in the show. I hope in the next season we're going to get an explicitly bisexual Jesper because yes. he is, and that would be lovely. But but as of right now, Jesper is absolutely favorite. He's doing Grace, and then he does, his, like, gun tricks, and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> um, you know, I'm also really excited for the future conversations with uh, certain people that's going to come up when he's going to be like, ah, yes, I love Milo, and they'll be like, who is this? Is this your ex? <laughs> <laughs> also, like, I really need to know, like, what city was Milo left in? Because I'm very, I, I need to know what city he was in. I think left it was Osalta. I think oh, he was left in Alta. There was, there was like three seconds of was he left in Novo Because if he was left in Novo I would have thrown a fit. I'm just
0: a, like, I I figured it was, it was Alta, And I honestly would have to go back and like rewatch the show for the third time in a row. <laughs> it would be worth it. <laughs> to be it. sure. But I, well, I probably could just find the episode. But yeah, I mean, Jesper, he has that bullet, you know, he had that bullet necklace. And mm-hmm.
1: was it? Jesper, somebody who was no, in- it was it was Mal and Mal, he was, he was Mal, to, like, yeah, oh Mal, yeah.
3: Also,
1: like, how do you pick a lock with a bullet? How do how do you pick a lock?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got. gunpowder. Oh, oh. You're wait, lock-
1: bullets have. I thought yeah. you put the gunpowder like behind the bullet and the gunpowder no. goes boom and um, then it pushes out the bullet. This is yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm, like really good at striking It's inside a little capsule and the bullet's the little thing on the top and there's gunpowder in between.
0: Thank you've you. all had, you, now you've had an uh, engineering lesson. Gun
1: well, listen, if you guys lesson. ever thought you didn't know something that was common knowledge, remember this time <laughs> that this lady got up on this panel and straight up didn't know how bullets work? <laughs> <laughs> Did he pick the lock with the bullet? God, I'm just gonna go hide under this table <laughs> for a bit. But nah, man, plot convenience goat and plot convenience bullet is like my <laughs> yep. favorite thing yep. in the world. Yep. Yep. Like sometimes things can just be fan service
0: i mean milo the goat has a twitter and it's hilarious oh yeah i don't think it's official like it's a fan made no, twitter no, but it has been am, absolutely just so hilarious i'm pretty sure
1: i'm mind. like 75 percent sure there's either an instagram or a twitter for milo that was started by one of the guys either Kaz's oh, actor or jesper's actor because they were liking the channel they liked the channel before, like, everything had actually happened. Oh. And, like, it was just, it was one of those things that I was like, this is suspicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I don't know, the, the, the Milo the Goat Twitter feed is great. So, if you have not followed it, I'm pretty sure it's just at Milo the Goat.
1: <laughs> Milo the Goat is the goat, so.
0: Yeah, it's the goat And
1: yes, go ahead.
3: Yeah. Uh, did you guys watch the uh, cast, like, commentary thing on
1: Netflix as well? There's a cast. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the <laughs> Milo's goat is
3: actually two goats. Yeah. <gasps> oh. They had two goats to play Milo, and one of them oh. was like super energetic and the other one wasn't. And they had like, it was like, for different scenes. Versus, um, <laughs> And
1: they did like trivia and stuff in it it was i love it really that's so good I it. Yeah. i'm guessing I, they had to, the to give them goat? the calm goat for kaz to carry yeah
2: yeah i somehow <laughs> missed
0: that there was a cast commentary thing i did i have watched all of the um the, the online panels and stuff that they yeah. did prior to the show airing mm-hmm. uh and also like there was a um there, there was, was a a QA would leave our dugo when King of scars came out yeah. uh, that was also it was it was it was pretty show focused even yeah. though it was supposedly about you know
2: the new book um I think there's this like Netflix after party show they do for okay and they had yes. an episode there's about a that. spoof that reel as well
0: <laughs> but I also Ooh, like boy. I refuse to believe that Milo the goat in my world Milo the goat is still only one existent goat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: like
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I cosplayed Jasper yesterday, and I'm not saying that I bought my childhood stuffed animal goat with me to this convention for the purpose of cosplaying Milo, but I did, and I would like to say that she is a very good cosplayer.
3: She does look a quite, quite like Milo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hashtag screen-accurate Milo. <laughs> um,
2: uh, well, that's what I was saying go, you're go talking ahead. about social media. One thing that I, I did uh assume like like as the show was going on actually is watching it. Uh I went and looked up the Instagrams, the different actors and they had a lot of not cool behind the scenes photos mm-hmm. and you could just tell they had a blast making the show. Yeah. And it's always fun to see when like the people making it are having a good time and, and that always leads to a better show. So. The actor
1: who plays Fedor, if you are not following him on social media, you absolutely need to follow <laughs> yeah. him on social Didn't media. Didn't he bring his,
0: like, dad to set with him Probably. or something? There, Yeah, there's... there's He's s-
1: having a really good time, and also he dyed his hair blonde right now, so, like, that's a thing that's happened.
3: <laughs> but,
1: so, like, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes that he has of, like... And there's, like, specifically one video he has of, like, the actor who plays Ivan doing, like, a Russian dance, and then he, like, falls over... <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. The scene
3: where Ivan and Fedor are interacting at the ball is the
1: most adorable thing ever. Yeah, I can't believe they made us ship these boys. Right. And Hold on. For,
0: for those of you who couldn't hear it, the scene where Ivan and Fedor were interacting at the ball was very adorable, is what they said. Yeah.
1: Wasn't expecting Heartrender Husbands to happen, but. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, Heartrender <laughs> like Husbands. The, the and Blooper Reel. I just had a feeling that would be.
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining at one point them like actually smashing that macaron yeah. in each other's face, and I'm like, "Yep, that would, try. That <laughs> there would is track." That would track. There's a blue for
2: real. There's so, a, blue for real. There is a okay, blue for real. I gotta find that. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So we we briefly and before we started going off on the Milo tangent, we're talking about Mal because I kind of totally forgot he existed. for a <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't like Mal at all in the books, and like it's it's. Like, uh, in In the the show, he is so, like, honestly, that's another thing that this show did really, really, really well was the casting and the writing of Mal and of his relationship with Alina. Yeah, in the books, books, I like none of of
1: the men. (laughs) In the books, I like none of the men. That that tracks that track, except for Kaz. No, I don't. Well, in the original trilogy, I like none of the men. And right I, um, I, I ship Alina and herself.
2: Tolia. Yes. 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 Yes.
1: <laughs> no, but he's like a, an Alina love interest, specifically. Okay. Yeah. Tolia's lovely. Tolia can do no wrong. <laughs> you will meet okay. Tolia. You will love Tolia. You will enjoy Tolia. <laughs> he's like a
0: warrior poet, so like you can't not love he's him. He's a warrior poet. Or a poet, poet warrior?
1: Poet warrior. Probably poet, probably warrior. poet first, right? Yeah. He, want, he just wants to wants to make poetry, and I guess he'll also stab if you want him to. (laughs) Um, But so, the thing I love about Show Mal is that, like, I always objectively liked Book Mal, because I started reading after I got the casting. So I read from the point of view, as like, you know, orphans who both, like, don't look like normal Robkins who are being othered and they have to stick together. And of course he's jealous. He's just a sad boy, but also at the same time, I'm like, he's a jealous boy and he's like not doing great. But then the show just gives his book three male energy. By the time, by that time he's like actually, actually grown up and been a good person. And you're just like, yes. And also like all of their, their orphanage flashbacks when they just laid in the grass and held hands and like he had the bunny oh. with him that one time. Oh and I'm just like, oh god, oh. so good. I just
0: had to tell myself like that bunny survived, right? Right. Like, oh, of this is this is little boy Mal and that like tracker. Yeah, Mal, that's going little out boy like Mal. That
1: bunny's immortal. Like it's it's doing great. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. speaking of, this is going to. Take its name a- is
0: Otis, and it's friends with Milo the ghost. <laughs> oh my god, amazing,
1: amazing. <laughs> So, you know, I speak about Milo and that has to, and I, I'm sorry, I speak about Mal, and then I have to go to Zoya obviously, specifically because yes. Mal rejects her in this scene whereas in the book they were hooking up and or implied to have heavily implied to have hooked up. <laughs> and the reason I specifically bring this up is because in that scene where he rejects her, you see her amplifier for the first time and how it's, it's the wolf claw embedded in her wrist. Mm -hmm. And for those of you people who just watched the show, the amplifiers are not described as embedded in your skin. They're described as like permanent jewelry. So it's like it, it seamlessly closes around your wrist. If it's a bracelet, which is what Zoya's is, but you cannot get it off. So,
0: well, you can, but if you take it off, then if you take it off, you ruin the the power. But like you
1: can, it is, very technically not permanent but i love that change because it makes the bond of the amplifier to the grisha and the fact that it is one only and that permanence so much stronger and it also very much primes you for the Mm. amazingly done body horror of the collar because listen i know we all hated it because ugh, i straight up had to pause the show because i felt nauseous and sick to my stomach but it is so so good And it is so, so well done. Like, it takes a lot to make me watch a TV show and go, excuse me, I need a break. That was too much. But this was it, and it was so well done, and it made me genuinely disgusted, and I was like... Hmm.
2: That did its job.
0: It <laughs> did. Yeah, I actually, I actually missed it the first time I watched the show, and part of this was because I was not not missed the fact that it was in her, like in Alina's collarbone, cause, ew, like, and I couldn't, I couldn't look at it, and I think it was because I couldn't look at it every time she came on screen with it, I was going like this. And I missed the first time through that when she like accepts that power at the end of the show, she, it like yeah. goes down into her. And I was like, I don't know if I can watch like seasons of this show with this thing, like sticking out of her collarbone. Like, I'm just going to be going like this every time she's on screen. This can't be good. But yeah, thankfully I, on on I think somebody, I, it might've it been, it me. might've been on our webcast or something. One me. of them was like, yeah, no, she like, withdraws it into her. And I was like. Oh okay, that's so much better. I think I can deal with that. It's
1: better now. Like
0: I can deal with this. And also also, I mean the symbolism of her like finally accepting her power and accepting the amplifier yeah. like that. And is I think it's very... it's
1: so much it's like so much deeper too though, because like you see the other Grisha like clearly wear their amplifiers visibly. And like the fact that she that a part of accepting her power is also like like sort of absorbing and taking in this like incredible, like violation that was done to her and like making it her own, but also like being like, I'm through this and I'm not going to make it visible anymore because I- this does not define me. And like, I don't know. That was like me being really like, like poetic and reading into things. But uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of things in that symbolism. Let me tell you, it was very good. A plus. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> Um, So we're about 30 minutes in, and this is usually the point where I like to ask for audience questions. Now, please, um, if you can move, there are microphones. So, like, we ask you to use the microphones because otherwise the people on the opposite end of the room might have trouble hearing Take a look don't. at
1: this lovely gentleman <laughs> yes, he
0: is, who is... He is modeling how you utilize he is, the microphone. He has been
1: awaiting the microphones for us. Please do not lick the microphones. That is not COVID safe. That is not existence safe in general. Do not lick the microphones without a pandemic. Thank you.
2: Hopefully you're not speaking Hackel, from experience.
1: I'm sorry, what was that? Is it Rollins. Oh my God. Oh, yeah.
3: what do you think about his character... And this is this is unfortunately specifically a, a
1: book to show adaptation mm-hmm. of like what do you think how that that translated personally I was very unsatisfied um, because Pekka is seen as this very conniving man and what we see in the show is very brute strength mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what was what was your take on that and especially his relationship with cats I was. For me personally, this was one of those castings that, like, that was not how I pictured P.E.K.K.A. I no, also I just... hadn't pictured P.E.K.K.A. Because I actively tried not to think about P.E.K.K.A. Because... I mean, y- his name is y- P.E.K.K.A. Ew. Like, <laughs> Ew. But yeah, you're right. It was... I think that was also what threw me the most about his casting was the fact that it was very, like... His portrayal was brute force. And that is not what P.E.K.K.A. is in the books. And I... Hope what we are will we'll get in the future is that we're going to see more of that conniving part of him because I believe that you can be a brute force gangster and also be conniving. And I clearly I have a lot of experience with gangsters, you know. <laughs> but but I I hope we're going to see more of his cunning because like his whole backstory with Kaz is very cunning based, and you don't see that in the Pekka You see now you say Ah yes. It's me. I'll have my lackeys punch you to get good stuff.
0: And you mentioned, like, the casting. Like, he also just seems... He's just very, like, hard and, like, old. Yeah. And, like... You know, he's, a, he's, of course, supposed to be older, like, maybe middle-aged, yeah. like, in his 40s, I would think. But he's supposed to be a sort of, the point about Pecker Rollins is the bo- in the books is that he's supposed to be this sort of soft-looking fellow that, like, can fool people.
1: Exactly. And, like, this
0: guy just looks mean.
1: Exactly. And, 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 I- and
0: they portray him that way, too. Like you said, he's just like, you know, here's my thugs. They're going to punch you. They're going to kill you. It's fine.
1: And, you know, I think a part of that is I'm very interested to see how they will make him look soft. And if that is even possible. And the other thing is that I literally pictured him as like you know very dad bod, and I was that like, best. I pictured him
0: like big dude.
1: I yeah no I pictured I pictured I pictured dad bod at best, and I was like I was like I don't know I don't know how this guy's gonna look non threatening. He he oozes threatening from his pores, but I guess we'll see. As someone
0: who didn't read the books, what was your impression of Peck? I was like, no no
2: he's she's like a oh my impression um. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think uh, <laughs> definitely threatening or seeming, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how, how we'll, going forward it will come across. But uh, yeah, again, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to hear people's expectations from the book versus, uh, you know, what the show did. Um, I felt just from the glancing around at some of the, the, art, the artwork and stuff, I felt like they got a lot of things correct as far as uh, how uh, the author managed it. Imagined it to be.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um,
2: so, I guess Netflix is kind of nefarious for a canceling series, like after a couple seasons, uh, yep. <laughs> uh, some say too soon. How optimistic are we that they will carry this series all the way through um, based on available information?
1: So, I am. I dipped my knee, my toes into book fandom last year in that like, so if you are a fan artist or a fan fiction writer, there's usually like, a, like a big bang event for like, uh, like fandoms where they'll be like, they'll put together like writers and artists and you'll like write a story, like fan, a fanfort story and like do art for it. And based off of that, I got like my entryway into the book fandom and dear Lord, is it huge. Like it was already rather big before this show came out, and I am like ninety-seven percent sure that they would riot. And there are a lot of there, there's like a very good combination of like teenagers and like angry, angry middle-aged women who could easily go Karen mode. <laughs> Very, very <laughs> yeah, so, leadership. like, it's one of those things that, like, you know, I think they could try to cancel it, but I think there would be many calls to the manager about mm-hmm. why they can't. The
3: manager of Netflix.
1: The manager
2: of Netflix.
0: Yeah, yeah excuse um, me, Mr. Netflix. <laughs>
2: well, I think, uh, they've had, a, they've had a lot of success with The Witcher, and they have multiple spinoffs, and I think that was sort of their idea, this will be the next Witcher, the next novel, with a big fan base, or video game, yeah. guess, as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I know they—they they seem to be speaking right to the fan base and the Grishaverse, and they seem to like—they seem to have hired someone from social media who knows what they're talking about. I guess. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> Th- that's what I
0: was gonna say. They really, you know, Netflix. When they want something to succeed, they really, really push it. Mm-hmm. You know, they—they they really. Um, there, there, there are plenty of Netflix shows where I'm like, "What the heck? Where did this show come from? I've never heard of this." Like, and it just pops up and it's available all of a sudden. Um, the most recent one being oh my gosh cherry something oh my gosh it's the girl from it's a girl I'm, from, a, I I a girl from Alita Battle Angel but it's I like I know what you're talking about the show is actually really good it was it was it's a limited series anyway but it's one of those things where nobody knew it was even coming and then all of a sudden it's on Netflix that is not what they did with Shadow and Bone they they were pushing this like i mean 8 months or a year in advance and um, I also like like Nami was saying the the book fandom is absolutely big enough to carry it even if they hadn't gotten a whole bunch of new fans from the show. So I, I now there there are seven books total, right? Um, the the last two books that came out are kind of like their own standalone thing. You know, they, it's it's still the same world this and a, and a lot of the same characters that you meet in the first five books, but. I think that I think that there's an absolutely very, very good chance that we will get through, you know, through the end of the shadow. Or I, I don't think there's any chance they will cancel it before we get through the end of the original Grisha trilogy. Yeah. Um whether or not we'll get the gigantic heists, you know, from Six of Crows or get into the King of Scars duology, I don't know. But for sure we're gonna get at least the three seasons to get us through the original trilogy. And and I think that if they continue with the quality that the first season had, that there's very little chance that they won't want more. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, what's interesting, I was on a panel just yesterday about Jupiter's Legacy, which came at around the same <laughs> yeah. time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. was canceled and cost a whole lot of money. This looks like it cost a lot of money, I have no idea but obviously they renewed it so that's a a positive (laughs) that that, I I think this show was more successful than some of the other things they were pushing
0: oh for sure but again a lot of like Jupiter's Legacy was one where I also it was like kind of it was like within a month before it came out that I knew it existed Um, but I I also don't think I don't know that Jupiter's Legacy I don't know what their comic book fandom was but I don't think yeah it's it's not as big as
2: yeah I don't know what I well, and
0: I—I I mean, I also like we. I keep saying that the the Grisha verse, you know, <clears throat> fandom was was really big. It wasn't big like even. It certainly wasn't Tolkien big, and it wasn't even Game of Thrones big. But uh, while it might not be the most like gigantic, I don't even think it was like Hunger Games big before the Hunger Games movies came out. But so, what it is, it is is a it is a very very passionate fandom, like extremely passionate. I also think there's
1: a very niche group of it in that like you've come to fandom from like the Reddit side of stuff. And I think there's a very large portion of this fandom that doesn't know how Reddit works. So... It's a large portion of people who don't know how Reddit works. Yes, that too. So I I think they're definitely like a bigger fandom than you think. And I think the other thing is that like... Let me put it this way. My dad is a nerdy person, but he also would not be interested in the Shadow and Bone series. But then he told me, literally as he was driving me to the airport for this convention, he was like, yeah, like, what are you cosplaying this weekend? Oh, you're, wait, Shadow and Bone? I watched that. And I'm like, you watched it? What? (laughs) Like, he didn't even, like, he was like, yeah, it was number one, and it looked cool. And I was like, if you could get my dad to watch random shit, and like, let's be fair. Like, yeah, he's a nerd. He watched all Game of Thrones with me, comes to San Diego Comic-Con with me. But, like, still, if you can can get, like, random adjacent nerds to, like, watch something like this, and if it's appealing to them on that broader basis, I think you have a really good chance of, you know, staying alive. Also, I don't mean to distract us all from questions, but I also need to point out to our next question asker, who is the gorgeous Sun Summoner herself?
3: (laughs) crows they had to add these new storylines and so we got a bunch of new
1: scenes so what was your favorite scene that wasn't in the books? Okay so I'm gonna just not even let anybody all speak because no. I have a big one it's the
3: co- <laughs> this is
0: a Nami co-opt over here.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry I need to steal the show because the show was stolen for me by this moment. Um, So <laughs> Inej is my favorite character and then closely followed by Zoya but Inej because I read crows first and Inej getting to meet Alina was amazing and Inez's whole... When you meet her in the books, she's a cold-blooded killer. So having her story now be like she doesn't want to kill and she's kind of coming to terms with that with her religion and with her saints is really, really powerful. Especially because the story culminates with her actually meeting Alina, defending Alina, and then Alina giving her one of her own knives in a way to after she throws... So, you know, she like yeeted hers all off the skip because she was like, gotta fight these evil bats! And then, you know, Alina gives her a new knife to replace hers that she lost, and it is essentially to Inez, it is one of her saints telling her that it is okay for her to use violence, which is not the message I'm going for here. This is the, this is the message that Inej was going through in her character development. Let's not stab people. Um, but so, you know, it was a really touching moment, especially because, as I hope we will see in the show, Inej names her knives after saints and all i could imagine was that knife that alina gave her becomes her knife that is named sancta alina so it was just a really good tie-in for inej to meet her idol and it made her character journey of not being able to kill sort of make sense for her and for like to go beyond that and be like i can defend my family now and like i know it's okay for me to do that and you know I'll admit, I was team, started the show, and was like, what do you mean the assassin doesn't kill? <laughs> and then we get to this part, and I'm like, all right, I see the journey. I like it. I like yeah, it. That was good. And obviously that was the best moment, but if anybody else has, like, non-best moments that they
0: <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> or, well, what, I mean, you didn't read the books, but what was your favorite scene in the show? I guess it's Favorite is probably
2: better scene in the season? Let's see. Um... I I th- I really liked obviously like the climactic scene uh, uh with the tw- with you know uh going into the fold and you know the having the the dragon beast or whatever <laughs> come in uh I yeah I was just um you know seeing the twists and seeing that uh the some of the characters return against the the darkling um that was really just being able to kind of see a lot of these storylines come together uh and of course knowing that he's not dead, and at the end was also kind of a, a nice uh, twist. So um, yeah, I was uh, I was I was just in a cringe fix the whole time. So it's hard to pick like one, but that was, yeah, uh, that was really good. It's really it's
0: really difficult for me to say like a, a scene that wasn't in the books. Um, to be honest, the books are like they have their moments where they're like a little bit amusing, but like the show really like brought out the amusing side of things in in like a way that didn't seem ridiculous um so like off the top of my head and I it's been a while it's it's I think I watched it the third for the third time or second time whatever third time back in like May so it's been a couple months since I watched it off the top of my head I'm picturing the scene where Alina uh, runs away from Bagra and comes out of like the tunnels and she's just looking around and she just climbs into the carriage and Jesper's standing over there. He just like, she's exactly who they're looking for and he's just like, ah, you gotta be kidding me, right? Like that or Milo, Milo scenes are probably... Not, I, not, not necessarily the mall with the bullet scene, but, like, just any scene with Jesper and Milo was just great. Yeah, I
1: the moment where, sh- like, they're driving away and Kaz is like, what do you mean we got it? And he's like, no, man, we got it. We got it. And, like, book fans will know how important that is because Kaz don't trust anybody. Yeah, he needs okay. to be in control. But the fact that he's like, all right, I believe you, Jesper, but also, like, dude, what do you mean we got it? We but don't that, got also, anything.
0: It, it really seems like every time they go into their, like, little schemes like in the, both in the show and in the books, it doesn't really, it doesn't really change from one to the other. Things shouldn't work out and shouldn't work out and shouldn't work out. And then it's like, oh, magically this one, like somehow, somehow they, they, even if they didn't quite plan for this exact way of things happening, it worked anyway. Hashtag big heist energy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, not, Not being a book reader, but seeing, um, the crows with Elena and see them kind of come together and people who, literally don't know each other and having to work together, uh, that'll be an interesting thing going go forward, so yeah. I was intrigued by that. I'm <laughs> excited. Sure. Alright, we're going to uh, go to our line. lovely Darkling here yeah.
1: first and then we'll come to the pink shirt.
0: No question, I was just to reassure you, the last time we saw Milo was in Krebirsk, not Novo Krebirsk. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Thank as long as it wasn't Novo Krebirsk. Yeah. For some reason no, I was okay, thinking Osalta,
1: but we're good we're good on Milo then. Milo is still Milo the goat lives forever. <laughs> hey hey Darkling, Darkling, in the words of Zoya, I love you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so my question was what did you think of their interpretation of the Volkra and then what we saw of the Ninchovoya?
1: creepy as heck. <laughs> see, when I was reading, I did my very best to not decide what the book were looking like. Yeah. They were scary. I don't like scary. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then they happened, and I was like, oh, this is terrible. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm also really happy that we got to see the Nietzsche Ovia, because I was not expecting to see them this, this episode. No. But like, like you said, the ending scene where, like, you know, you like us, book fans obviously knew that he was back, but like the fact that they gave it to show people as well instead of waiting until the next season was like a plus good marketing. But also yeah. the visual impact of that ending—they were so scary. I oh, do not like it. And, and for those of
0: you who haven't read the book, uh, the books the the Voya were—they're basically like the manifestation of the Darkling's inner darkness. So, every time he summons them, he is also, like, pulling away from his own, like, life energy and turning even worse and darker and more evil. It is very, like...
3: It's like also.
0: His name being the. I know they don't really refer to him much. They don't really use the Darkling term in the show that much, but like. Wow. It's just very. He's very
1: emo. This whole (laughs) thing is so emo. I think the casting of Ben Barnes was a really good decision because the way he's described in the books, it's like. Slim anime emo boy. And you know, like, that was my type like 15 years ago, but like, let's be fair, everybody's type is Ben Barnes. You may be, you can be a lesbian or a straight man, and you will still be like, yeah, that's an attractive human being. So it was really good. And also the fact that, like, he truly is older than the rest of the cast, and he's just like, it's me, Dad. Kids do want to hang out. <laughs> his, his energy on social media with the rest of the cast is so much like, I hang out with my friends, and they like me, even though I'm old. And it's just so wholesome and good, and I'm just like, I'm here for it. But yeah, no, the creepy, creepy. I did not have specific thoughts beyond... <laughs> Not a fan, which makes me
3: perfectly a fan. Yeah,
0: I mean, as someone who didn't read the book, like, th- how did you feel the the Volcra, You know, I, and it's hard to even describe what exactly they are because they they are also in their own way. Um, I'm not going to say it. they are also in their own way a manifestation of darkness. Don't mm-hmm. worry, I wasn't
1: going to. Everything's everything. a manifestation yeah. of darkness, uh, but, the but dark
0: they line. are being they are being pulled from the Darkling himself. Like so, the the the, the, the looking very much like. Almost like Dementors in a way, you know. But the Volcar are—they are monsters. They are absolutely just monsters.
2: Yeah, I was just just uh, you know having followed other literature, you know, you you do kind of reference back. Okay, Dementors, Harry Potter, but yeah, they were creepier and scarier than anything.
1: Yeah, I also was getting like vaguely Ringwraith vibes, like yeah. you know all that all that good good old darkness monster wrapped into one scary darkness yeah. package. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But yeah, no. That just like uh, so much of the show was not just the the costumes, the effects, just the, the look of everything. I, yeah. thought, I think they nailed it.
1: The vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> #hashtag vibes only. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
2: Hi, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Darkling um, because in the in the books versus in the show, it seems like that scene with the Darkling and Mao on the boat at the end, it it's a little bit changed from from mm. that. A whole interaction where the darkling seems to be very obsessed with Mao and trying to get information from Mao, where it doesn't—at least to me—it didn't seem to translate from the books. So, do you think that someone who is, you know, centuries old would be that obsessive about all these little things?
1: I mean, to me, it very much reads like a hyperfixation. You know, when you are alone for a very long time and you find the one thing in your mind that can erase all of your mistakes and also help you fix everything and make it perfect in the way that you think it can like the darkling sees from alina like she's literally imagine you spent 400 years of just doing the same mistake and being like oh it wasn't me and then somebody comes up and is like well i can make people believe you did no mistakes and he's like oh shit this is it Sorry, am I allowed to curse? You did it already. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. sorry. We'll pay we'll it out later in, in it. for twenty dollars.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, cool. I'll
1: pay I'll, I'll, I'll pay. I'll pay the filthy mouth tax. So, so, to me, it really reads like a you know that one thing that he needed to like for his salvation was finally in his reach. So he was going to do whatever it took to keep it safe and you know, we already talked about, talked a little bit about how the relationship between Mal and Alina in this show is much more solid. It's very much book three, that, like, connection versus, you know, the book one, like, weird jealousy dynamic we've got going on. So they are closer, and that relationship is legitimately a threat this time. So I think to him, he's like, yeah, don't sweat the small things, but also, like, this is the one thing. (laughs) Like.
2: But but also at the same time, he could, he literally could just wait for, like, 50 years until Mal dies and then... Does that man look like a patient man? I mean He's <laughs> waited 400 years.
1: Yeah, well, you are logically obviously very correct. Like, sir, just sit down. He will die from natural causes. But also... <laughs> also impatience is the vibes that I get from this man.
0: Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. Why he's he's been he's been very he's been patient but he's only (laughs) been patient because he didn't have any way not to be right and now alina is right there right in front of him and all he sees is mal and and he sees her connection to him as something that will very possibly you know harm his ability to manipulate her um which you know is, is I I mean, it's the same, it's the same way, it's it's actually not really that much different in the books, like, he, he, he keeps them away from each other in the books, too, because he knows that they grew up together, I mean, he sees their, um, brief interaction, I think, like, right, right after she does her first, like, summoning, and, and he meets her in, uh, or wherever it was on on the one side of, of the fold, um, and uh, you know, so so yeah, he he's been very very patient, but he's been patient because he literally had no choice. And now she's right there in front of him, and he's like, "I'm done with this shit." Honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's
1: so. my fault too. I'm gonna have to go to I gotta go to the ATM. <laughs> 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 I gotta go to the ATM. Apparently, I'll just put my whole credit card in. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Yes.
3: Hi. Um. So. Two things. Um, one's a question. One's not. Um, are you guys aware of how Ben Barnes got cast as the Darkling? Pretty sure
1: Lee had always pictured him, right? Or like Lee was like, "I love you."
3: Yes, he was a fan favorite. <laughs> he printed out Tumblr posts about. Oh, oh my god! Like, yes, <laughs> he did. I that did that he should well. be the Darkling in the show and Good. brought it to lee and the producers and was like here's my audition <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow what a wholesome man what a bean
3: <laughs> uh, i just wanted to share that cause I, I, I thank, thought you. It really thank you though i did
0: not know that that's that was amazing
3: my question though is um if you guys were in the world of shadow and bone uh what small science uh the magic system would you want to practice
1: so I would want to practice, um I would want to be a um a squaller like my girl. <laughs> but I would be a material key. Because as a cosplayer, I am obviously a material key already. <laughs> How about you, Tara? Um, I would
0: want to be a heart render. I would probably be uh a squalor. How about
1: yeah. you? What you got?
2: Yeah. Probably, yeah, heart render might be a good one. I don't know. There's a lot of cool. Um, <laughs> things there's a there lot is, of
1: subsets so. that you
0: don't really think about, honestly. Yeah.
2: And I I presume you might be finding out about more. I, again, i read the books. <laughs> There'll be more subsets. Maybe. We will <laughs> learn
0: more about uh, the magic. Yeah.
1: It's going to be so yeah. fun. <laughs> I mean, I
0: will say that this the the subsets are pretty set. Like like there's the corporal kids who are the healers and heart renders, the okay. squallers who are uh, or the uh, summoners who are squallers' son uh, dark and fire and water. Oh, and inferny and, um, yeah. Tide makers. Tide makers. Thank you. I was blanking mm-hmm. on the water one. And then, um, material key, which are the fabricators and
3: the alchemy? Alchemies. alchemies.
0: Yes. alchemies. Yes. Thank you. Gosh, I feel like I'm, I feel good that I only missed two of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty impressive, yeah. What about you? What about you? Since you asked the question, you get to answer it too. Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I would probably want to, uh, be a corporal
0: key, heart render or healer nice yeah that's it's like i would really want to be a heart render but i know i, I, I've, take, I I've, feel- I've taken all the quizzes and they all say i would be a squalor damn it no.
1: <laughs> I, would, I,
2: would,
1: I would i would feel really mean if
2: i was a heart render <laughs>
0: See, I'm not a mean person, and I think that's why I want to be a heart render. It's like, I want to be able to do this, even though I know I never would actually be able to. Yeah, I got to take
3: that quiz. Okay, I
0: think we got we got time for one more question, and then we got to wrap up.
3: Um, I didn't read the books, and I didn't want to look this up online, because just in case of spoilers, it's, Lies. it's hurt me before.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Same. And I was just trying to see if you could speak to the, the age thing.
1: Yes. Okay.
3: Because some of them don't live forever, and some of them do live forever, not live forever, kind of forever, and it just was... Could you sort that out?
1: So it is a bit all over the place. It's vague. But it is intentionally vague in the series, and that the only people that we truly know that have lived a very long time as Grisha are specifically the Darkling and his mother. But we also know... From so within the books, it is explicitly stated that when you are a Grisha, if you do not practice your powers, it sort of like withers you. Mm-hmm. And when you practice your powers, it makes you more alive and more, it makes you have that natural glow, <laughs> right? It's like it's what we all wish we could do with it. It's like highlighter. you wore a pretty highlighter
0: all the time, but right? it's totally natural. So,
1: you know, it sort of goes a bit beyond that in that we kn- we start to learn that the more powerful a Grisha is and the more tied into their power that they are, the longer they can live, the more they practice their art. So potentially, all Grisha have the power to live for very long times. And many Grisha do live to be, you know, spry elderly folk. But there are specific characters who, as you go through the books, are described as explicitly having the ability to live for a long time. One of them is Alina, So Alina, the Darkling, I do not know why we know she can, but the Darkling straight up goes, you're like, yeah, uh, this is my girl. She gonna live forever. Well, I I think it's,
0: it's, as far as I can tell, it's something to do with the sun and dark summoners because... Well, all Grisha will live longer than the their you know non-Grisha counterparts. Um, so see, I would they they like the age that Bagra is is also explained, and of course the Darkling as well. I mean, he still looks very very young, but he is very 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 old. Like. 400? Older than the oldest living Grisha, you 400, know. Four hundred, yeah. Yeah. So Except his mommy.
1: His mommy is older than him.
0: <laughs> I would hope so anyway. Um <laughs> that would be weird. Uh but yeah, so
1: I, I think it's it's as of
0: as of uh I mean I don't want to say too much, but like there's there's little explanation as to why, but it seems like the sun and dark summoners will live
1: just five ever yeah Uh, and whereas (laughs) the rest of the grisha
0: they don't get that but they get you know so i actually do want to take three
1: three seconds to correct you here because yeah no it's it's rule of wolves yeah so there's stuff in rule of wolves about how some other grisha do have the potential to live that long. but that is we're not talking about these spoilers so we ain't talking about that (laughs) but so technically all grisha can currently most grisha don't um, also good on you for not looking up spoilers Because that is me I just Don't do it I live in a place of like Spoilers aren't real to me anymore Because I always look up cosplay references And then it's like So and so character And then it's like So and so character dies And I'm like really? <laughs> Again?
0: <laughs> I was confused about something That was happening in Storm of Swords And I looked up something uh, I looked up something about Catelyn Stark on the wiki and I got spoiled for the Red Wedding like 60 pages before I read it and this was years before the show came out but I was like come on man spoiler cut
1: <laughs> Google needs to be less efficient well wiki needs to, wiki needs to be like have required spoiler cut um, <laughs> thank you I like your outfit
0: all right. So, I mean, we're at uh, two o'clock. I get, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're we got to wrap up. But thank you guys so much for coming. Um, hopefully we'll get more Shadow and Bone content next year. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, hope see to see you battle. at some Game of Thrones panels later this weekend or Tolkien. I'm on some of those, too. <laughs> we
1: think y'all are neat. Please watch the show more.
0: Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.